Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast is brought to you by Hustler Hollywood, your one-stop shop for all things erotica, with 11 stores across the United States. Our sexy shelves are stocked with DVDs, books, lingerie, vibrators, butt plugs, lubricants, fetish gear, and bachelorette party supplies. At Hustler Hollywood, we know that sex is free. We only sell the accessories. If you're at our flagship store on the Sunset Strip, located across the street from the world-famous Rainbow Roxy and Whiskey, mention Energize and you'll get a delicious discount on something delightfully dangerous. LF and LF, Lawn Friend and Larry Flint, energetically connected for more than 30 years. Scotty, Energize. Energize. From the bowels of the Nevada desert, there are no dingleberries here. There is only love and music and energy and coconut water. Back at Jeff Young and Sherry Klein's palatial estate, somewhere in the fields of Las Vegas. Really, I should say the meadows because... The word Las Vegas means meadows. It's Energize, the Lawn Friend podcast. Producer Mike Stark back in San Pedro. I will be back in San Pedro next week and the week after. Because I move around a lot. I'm like one of those targets in the shooting gallery. Remember the shooting gallery? Did you ever go to Disneyland and go into Frontierland and, and, and do the shooting gallery? I was bad at that, but that's the only gun I've ever held. Happiness is a warm gun unless you're a timid Jew from the San Fernando Valley. And that's what I was, so I never held a gun. Growing up, I had a peaceful heart. I didn't ask to become a heavy metal editor. just happened. Violence, imagery, molten fascination with power and and destruction in flames i'm a fucking hippie i don't know what i am the journey to self is fucking long and winding man which brings us metaphorically to this week it was a love week because it was about the beatles oh man 50th anniversary of the Ed Sullivan show was yesterday for the uh, 13 of you out there who read my first book, Life on Planet Rock. The chapter Chicken Soup for the Rubber Soul is a uh, chronicle of my earliest, earliest memory of watching <clears throat> watching that, that moment in time unveil itself as it happened. So if you want to uh, blame anyone for how I got here. It was those four guys. They put the love of music in my heart. And 
yesterday was really kind of special. I woke up in the morning and I put the and I put Beatles on the Breakfast with the Beatles, which uh, Chris Carter uh, hosts every week out of Los Angeles on KLOS, and uh, he had original the air checks from all the Sullivan appearances. The Beatles had several Sullivan appearances. And the first one is the one, you know, we, the, I mean, that was it. February 9th, 64, I was seven. And then the last one was, they were on the verge of breaking up. And, he, and, and Ed brought him back several times. So he brought the whole British invasion over, you know, he had the stones and the kinks and he's such an odd guy. I was in, where was I? Chicago, October, and watched a documentary with my friend Harry Delaney, uh, who I took to see the Eagles and we had the, uh, oh, see everything is connected with me, synchronicity. We sat at the soundboard and we were sitting next to this woman who just couldn't stop standing up and screaming and grooving. And it was Joe Walsh's wife, who's Barbara Bach's sister. So that makes Joe Walsh and Ringo Starr in-laws. Hence, the multiple camera shots last night of the wives. Now, here's what I did. I after, you know, my day was, you know, Beatles and but I I got I got tickets to see the Love Cirque du Soleil Love Show at the Mirage Hotel, which I saw 7 years ago. Uh and was hypnotized by its beauty and its its sonic magnificence and all of the moving parts and colors and props. I don't even have the words to describe it, but it's, 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 a, it's a tapestry, like a dream state, where the songs in, 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 in so much French flair as the Cirque, as the Cirque Zeitgeist uh, displays. Just you're in this theater and there's speakers in the seats and the head in the backs of the seats. And it, and you're, you're just in the room with them 50 years ago. And then you watch the, their evolution and their revolution. <laughs> so I, I, I said, I pitched to, uh, to the Vegas seven publication. I w can I go to the show on the 50th, can you hook me up and, and let me write about it? And they said, of course. Sure. And they're being very, they're being very accommodating to my, uh, my uh, return here. I have a, uh, I have a major cover story coming out on Thursday, the uh, 13th. Uh, this week. And uh, so I drafted that like last night late and I went, did some editing on it today with the help of Cindy Reed, the entertainment editor over there. 
she's cool. She gave me some good direction. Don't think that even though you've done and seen as much shit as I have and you've written for 30 years professionally, that you can't get direction because you can. Editors who got chops make writers better. They, that's, that's something I've enjoyed most of my life. Hell, Richard Lang, who was the managing editor of Rip Magazine, made so many of my articles, made everybody's articles better. You know, what has Richard Lang done? He's gone on and become a prize-winning novelist. You know, he gets Guggenheim fellowships to write fiction novels. <clears throat> Chops. And uh, be teachers, be students, be both. So that's... So last night while the broadcast was on, and, and I'm getting texts from people saying, is that, that's your, is that Luke? Is that Luke? Because they all know I went to high school with Steve Luke. Is that Luke? Yes, that was Luke with Dave Grohl doing uh, Hey Bulldog, killing it. And then Luke was on stage a lot because it was uh, – it was it was you know it was a Ringo thing says much a Paul thing, and Luke is Ringo's guitar player. So, uh, God, it was just great coming out of the theater, feeling all the the vibration that you had in there, and all those songs, and I'm all emotional because because it's that day, it's 50 years, it's the golden anniversary, and I'm stumbling through the. Just floating, not stumbling through the casino, the beautiful Mirage Casino, which is probably my still my favorite, my favorite uh, resort hotel. I forgot how much I love the inside of that hotel, that 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 atrium. I remember when my brother Michael worked at the Mirage front desk. Um, yeah, because. Because it has the fish tank behind the front desk. When it opened, maybe he worked there like 25 years ago, a long time ago. It's such a beautiful hotel. And it feels warm because there's palm trees on the inside. And it's a perfect place for love. They, you know, that's where the Tigers were, Siegfried and Roy, before, they, the, the, before Roy got mauled by the Tiger. And, they, and you could ride dolphins. God, I sound like a Lowell Thomas travel show. Welcome to Random Travel Thoughts with Lawn Friend. I don't know what this show is. Jeff Young, can I ask you a question? Do you notice anything different? Do you notice anything different about me? From last week? Your facial hair. What? Feels a little darker. Yes, my sister-in-law Linda, the, uh, the 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 most skilled hairdresser in the Las Vegas Valley. She, ten years ago, would take the gray out of my goatee. That's when I, you know, was really kind of looking weird. I had an Amish sort of beard back then, and I shaved the mustache. <laughs> I looked like an extra from Witness. <laughs> but um, I just went by today, stopped in, 
say hi. She goes, you want to do the beard? And I said, fuck, why not? She goes, I'll make it dark brown. No, no crazy colors. I go, okay. And she took all the gray out of my goatee. So how do you, what do you think? How do you think it looks? Am I a little I can young? dig it, man. With the hoodie on, it's, it's, you got a I little got the Jesus hoodie. vibe going. A little Jesus vibe? Mm-hmm. Shit. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Well, now you put the glasses on and... and it's not Jesus that. anymore, right? Yeah. I take the glasses off, but I can't Scholarly see. Scholarly Jesus. <laughs> I can't see without the glasses. They're looking, looking dapper. Remember the scene My in... My friend. Remember the scene in Planet of the Apes where... Where Charlton Heston Taylor finally sh- he, sh- he he shaves off his beard near the end, when they're at the cave where they find the doll, that proves that the humans were there before the apes, and he's and he shaves and and Cornelius looks at him and Charlton Heston says, "What do you think?" And Cornelius says, "It makes you look less intelligent." <laughs> Is the whiskers make? One appear more intelligent, do they? What is that? Is that that rabbinical thing, that that guru thing, that facial hair? Uh, poor, poor, uh, portrays some sense of uh, scholarly something. Look at me, I can't even now come up with words ZZ anymore. Top did it. Yep, CZ Top. Are they smart-looking? Smart. Looking, smart? <laughs> They're sharp-dressed guys. They look smart. Are they smart? So, so tonight we're you know kind of like this. I'm talking about stuff. I went. I stopped at the market because uh, I thought I was going to get something, but I didn't. But I have to just tell you, this is how sad a state we're in in, in this in this culture there's there are all those horrible magazines at the newsstand the ones that just live off of other the celebrities grief and i just had to take a picture of this one okay it has it's the it's a star on it okay star like i never bought one of these in my life it says star number one for celebrity news and here are the cover lines ellen and portia $220 million divorce, fighting, drinking. And so there's Ellen DeGeneres and this and her lesbian wife, Portia, the blonde. I think she used to be on a law show or something. $220 million divorce. Then next to that is Selena Gomez, rehab. Secret stint in Arizona treatment center, drugs and booze. And then below that, Philip Seymour Hoffman, his last tragic days. And then below that, Sophia and Nick. I don't even know who Sophia and Nick are. Vicious public fight. So this is so they so this is what they're selling to people because we have such a prurient, voracious appetite for the miss. The 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 misdemeanors and crimes of our celebrity culture, right? So fuck, that's sad. And why Philip Seymour? How does what? First of all, the only person, the only artist, true artist with authentic talent in that entire 
cover is Philip Seymour Hoffman. And his death is tra tragic, but the cover line has tragic last days. Well, if you're talking about your last days, you, there's a 90% chance they're going to be tragic because they're your last days. Your last days aren't like, woo, rainbows and fairies are coming. Let's go. I'll tell you something. I want to spend my last days in, in, in the Love Theater at the Mirage Hotel. I, I do. Amen. I do. That's where I want to go. I'm I want to go this out. Week, I want to see you've sold me. I'm taking <laughs> Sherry for Valentine's Day. Jeff Young is taking Sherry for Valentine's Day. You know what we're gonna? I'm a, during this during our podcast this evening, I'm gonna play your song, you and Sherry, dedicated to you two. It'll be like oh. Art LeBeau. I'm driving yesterday to see Love, and NPR has a segment about Art LeBeau, the 88-year-old DJ from Los Angeles who's still on in a bunch of, on a bunch of stations. And I, we, I met him many times at the Rainbow because he goes in there all the time. And he and Mario are virtually the same age. Mario's 90, and, and he just turned 90, and Art LeBeau is 88. And he's been doing radio since he was like 14 years old. So the whole history of radio practically. Like going all the way back to Marconi and Copernicus. <laughs> oh, my God. And Art LeBeau was one of the promoters of the Beatles at the Hollywood Bowl. Really? Yeah. A classic show. Wow. Yeah, that's in, my, that's in Planet Raw because Ron Myers and I, we had all the Beatle records. And he, he had a sister named Leslie. She was his older sister. And she had the phonograph in her room. So we go in her room and listen to, I mean, I could just see it, close my eyes, I could see us. We're listening to Magical Mystery Tour, we're listening to Sgt. Peppers, we're listening to Rubber Soul, we're listening to Revolver. And, and then one day Leslie comes home from school and she goes, what are you guys doing in my room? Listening to the Beatles. And she goes, oh, by the way, check this out. And she pulls out two tickets to the Beatles at the Hollywood Bowl. And we went, what? I don't know what we did. I mean, I was nine. What? <laughs> anyway, thanks for being part of my show tonight, for being here, listening to me ramble. Got some tunes to play. We got some, some unscripted things to say, and it's Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, and this, this is a little taste of love.
comes the sun I say it's alright
energize the lawn friend podcast playing nuggets that you may not have heard now that's not a very old nugget that is my old friend steven tyler and aerosmith from the lp music from another dimension 2012 <clears throat> that record came out i love that song it's called uh out go the lights that album came out during the hurricane, during Hurricane Sandy. And here's here's my first person's story. I'm there. I'm there with my daughter in New York. I arrived two days before the hurricane hits. We're stuck in midtown Manhattan in my friend Neil's Zamel's apartment. Neil's been in both my books. We grew up together. We worked at Food Mart Grocery. We made $1.75 an hour on Coldwater and Riverside. That, that that's that job helped me buy my Beatle records. <clears throat> so, uh, David Letterman is got has got Aerosmith scheduled to perform and appear on his show, but the hurricane hits, and nobody can get to Midtown. So three days, three nights. There's no Letterman audience. He perf- he does his show just in the dark without an audience. It was it's really some brilliant television. The fourth day is the day Aerosmith arrives in New York City. I send a message to Stephen. My friend Neil lives five blocks from the Ed Sullivan Theater, which is where David Letterman is broadcast from every night five nights a week it's called the ed sullivan theater because it's where the beatles showed up on february 9th 1964 so here i am in the eye of the storm with my kid and one of my oldest and best friends we walk up to it's like on 40 it's near radio city i don't know like 50s first or 52nd and seventh and there and we on on the sidewalk walking up side door soon as we get to the theater car pulls up who gets out of the car the flamboyant mr tyler and he sees us he sees me he makes the beeline comes over there's paparazzi taking pictures and we have warm embrace, and I had not seen him since, okay, 13 of you read Planet Rock, four of you read Sweet Demotion. <laughs> since the Sweet Demotion of 2010, uh, where I our, our, uh, I lived with him for a couple of months in Sunapee, New Hampshire, worked on his memoir with him, helped him edit his memoir. And I had to leave that project because he was headed for he was heading for rehab. He was going down. He was on the helter skelter, man. And uh, I get big love, and he sees Megan, and big hug, kiss, and so then he he says, "You got you you don't have the record. Nobody has the new record. It's on sale next week." But guess what? And he pulls out the album that I just mentioned from what, from where that song came from. And he looks at the paparazzi standing on the sidewalk and he goes, just like in the old days, 
Lawn Friends got the first copy of my new Aerosmith record. And he hands it to me. And I'm looking at it. There's a picture on my Facebook page of me looking at the record. It's a paparazzi shot of Steven, like, dancing on the sidewalk. And the three of us are behind him and looking at the record. So why this is all connected and synchronicity, boy, I am. We get inside and... I, and I and we sit down and, you know, the band, Joe and Steven do an interview and then the band <clears throat> performs. And uh, before any of this, I said, Ma I go, Meg, do you know where you are? This is the site of the Big Bang. We're inside the theater where the, that's the stage the Beatles played on on February 9th, 1964, right there. And she went, yeah cool and then and, I, and all the people in new york are struggling with you know fires in brooklyn and new jersey shore being decimated by storms but we were in we were in the in, in the womb of rock of, of immortality that's how i felt yesterday like i was in the safe womb like all the problems or things and issues and confusions and mis malfunctions of my heart and soul over the past 15 or 20 years. They all just disappeared during that hour and 45 minute magical mystery performance. So I guess what I'm here to tell you is if you love music, if you love your bands and your songs, then you can use those songs as sanctuary sonic sanctuary and you'll be okay so this is my podcast it is february the 10th it's also an anniversary for me because 50 years ago i bought my first record the day after the ed sullivan show which was on a sunday just like yesterday i bought meet the beatles and that was where my that's where everything started so today is 50th anniversary. I mean, whenever you listen to this podcast, it doesn't matter. We're streaming it now on February 10th. So 50 years ago today, I bought Meet the Beatles. And uh, and that's about, that's that. What do you, fuck. Okay. So, Jeff. Ron. You, this is Jeff Young's home. And Sherry Klein's home, and we're on Skype. And Mike Stark is back in the studio in San Pedro. We're showing the world that you can, you can create and express without high technology. You have lovely microphones, very comfortable sofa, and I am very appreciative for this, for this platform. Lon's weekly therapy session on our couch. Yeah, I get ninety minutes. On Jeff Young's couch. <laughs> Wait till I start like really asking you deep Dave Mustaine questions. Uh, like, what was the really the darkest? What in your darkest hour? What was the darkest moment you had with Dave? Are you asking? Me that now? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're getting a curveball. I have to. I have to answer that now. Oh, you weren't man. prepared. Jeff Young was unprepared. 
There, there's so many dark moments. Oh, really? Because, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And it involves your buddy Lars and Lars Ulrich. Hetfield. James Hetfield, okay. Of uh, what, what band are they in? Oakland Coliseum. Okay. We're on the Ronnie James Dio tour. Okay. And as you know, when you're opening, you're an opening act on the show, you got your 45 minutes, you go out, song after song, it should be relentless, kicking ass, taking names, shoving it down their throats, you get on, you get off without a lot of chit chat. And this will be a ultra, super ultra poignant for those who've seen the Metallica, some kind of a monster. For some it. kind of monster. So, I mean, for me, that that was because our album, So Far So Good, So What, was the first thrash metal album to crack Billboard Top 20 at that time. So we were riding high. Things were going good. And I, for me, looking back, this was his time to sure. put it right down their face to show them, okay, yeah. I've, I've conquered over I've what went down past, in your band. I've gotten past all that shit. And I've re reinvented myself. He took that opportunity to get blitzed. Uh, oh, okay. Drunk beyond recognition. <laughs> and, I th and I think it was before Hook and Mouth went into a, a long tirade. On stage? An on stage rant. And in an arena, it's already echoey and too big, and you can't really hear clearly. So Yeah, I've heard Ian Asprey yeah, do those rants, arena yeah, rants. Yeah, everything gets, <laughs> arena rants, they get lost. I know. Arena rants are Well, only the narcissist happening. on the stage can really hear what they're saying. <laughs> Everybody else is going, what? What's he saying? It's, it's echoey. So I'm standing off my side of the stage. I see, I see Elfson on his side of the stage flailing his arms, pissed, like, what's going on here? <laughs> This whole, this Let whole venue's vent. out of order, hey, you know? <laughs> it's Dave's band, Let Him Vent. And I remember thinking, you know, I practice 14 hours a day. You know, I'm playing for 30,000 people, and I'm ashamed to be standing up here right now. And then, of course, after the show, we had to walk past James and, and Wait, Lars. so he called out, he used their names on stage? No, no, no. He didn't talk about them. He was talking, it could have been about Tipper Gore and the whole hook and mouth thing. Oh, okay. I don't know what he was ranting about. For sure, I wasn't listening. Right. <laughs> but, you know, we had to walk by them after, you know. But they were it in wasn't the audience? Our best show Wait, they were in the crowd? They were backstage watching from the side of the okay, stage. Okay, okay. So that, that wasn't a, that wasn't That's a high not moment. a prideful moment. Mm -hmm. no. no. But you there know were, There were many Sorry. moments like that on stage during that era. Okay. So. Well, I got used to them. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it takes evolution. Whether you're a rock star or or just a normal Joe, you gotta evolve, man. You must forgive. Let mm -hmm. let go of the past. Mm -hmm. well, how about just watching that Beatles thing? Did you see Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart? The the Eurythmics. Indeed. They look so loving together mm -hmm. on stage. And there's a lot of baggage under that. Under that bridge. Under yeah. that bridge. Yeah. Indeed. Nice to see them up on stage. Yeah. Honoring the the mop top lads from Liverpool. Yeah, that was that was cool. He's got a cool job, man. Just 
He doesn't have to work that hard up on stage. Just strumming a few chords on that steel string. That's it. That's a good gig if you can get it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think Mike has a Megadeth song in the queue. Uh-oh. So we're going to play some Megadeth, and I'm going to come back and ramble on some more, because it's Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. <laughs>
on. Now. Are we on? Are we are we, we live? Away. <laughs> okay, so Energize Lawn Friend Podcast Metal Gossip. Jeff and I were discussing. Um, Which part of what we were discussing well, can actually air? Where we ran into Marty Friedman at the um, at the uh, Randy Rhodes Nam tribute, and he was kind of a tool to both of us. Yeah, he wasn't the most friendly. I had not guitar seen a guy player in, 20, in line that over night. twenty years, and and I went, "Hey, hi, mighty mighty Friedman," and he he looked at me like I asked him for twenty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get that because every guitar player, and I got a chance to say hi to everyone. And you had never met him, and he replaced you in the band. Exactly. He came in after you. He came after the debacle. Every guitar player that was there for Randy's memory was obviously a sacred yeah. night Alex of Gordon. honor and tribute. Yeah. And I thought, I've never met Marty before. This is, if anything, the perfect forum for that. And uh, Sherry and I were going one way on the stairs, and he was going the other way, just arriving. And I took the time to introduce myself and say, hey, Marty, it's so nice to finally meet you. It's great to be sharing playing this event. Wasn't that friendly no. of, a, of a character? Yeah. Then upstairs, I don't know. just 20, 30 minutes later, Alex Skolnick was chatting it up with Who's Marty. Who's just the prince of a guy. And there was a fan there. I was across the room doing something in my guitar case, and... And the fan noticed, oh, this would be a great photo op. Alex was standing there. Marty, let's do a picture. So I jumped up and walked over there, and the three of us were just standing there. Would have taken a split second to snap that shot. Marty, no, I got to play. I can't. I can't do that. Well, so that's I all always, I know. I always I say, say this to man. people because it's easy to judge someone in a moment. But I always say you don't know what baggage they're carrying. You don't know where they're at. Maybe they're having a really bad moment, bad time. <clears throat> so, because do you know how many times in interviews I've been asked who's the biggest asshole you ever interviewed, or who's? And I and if you know my career, which you do, because you were there like in the early days, I've had very few asshole encounters because mostly people wanted to put their best foot forward. Uh, musicians wanted to tell me their truths and their best stories and they wanted to take their best photos and because we did the greatest job presenting them in rip magazine and you're right that song we just played anarchy the sex pistols classic covered by megadeth was the theme of the of of the mtv uh headbangers ball headbangers ball the first night we met yes which led to my friend at large segment a year later, but that was it. It was we, me and Carol Donovan and John Kennelly from MTV. We conceived that we're going to put Rip Magazine in the back of a bus. And you were just telling me that all of those segments are out on YouTube someplace. If you search on M on uh, MTV Headbangers Ball Megadeth, we look on YouTube and the aforementioned Richard Lang, the Guggenheim Fellowship award-winning novelist. <laughs> Is in is is sitting at the desk. <laughs> he doesn't ever want to see that shit again. I could care someone less because I've edited, been I've been the fool on the hill. Thank someone you, edited the entire evening. It was a four Most hour four four hour headbangers ball. They edited just the segments with us and oh, there you all go all together into one. So like the stops we made, you can enjoy. Slash at the Cat and Fiddle and Ted Nugent, Ted Nugent and Gonzo and and, and Armored Saint at the Santa Monica Civic. Yeah, that was. 
I have a vivid memory of that night. And the Rip Girls were with us. Mm-hmm. Several Rip Girls. <laughs> so anyway, we're discussing our past. We're having a metal conversation. We're not being judgmental. We're whatever stories we tell now there's there's so much moss it's like a rock that has it's covered with moss and it's it's so old there's no bad feelings it's just talk we take we you know we march to higher march to a higher drum beat now which is why when you go and you take your beloved valentine to see that show that Cirque I saw Soleil. last night, Whew, you're going to have a great time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Where? Hey, Sherry. Because I think I'll play your song coming up. Let me, let me get yeah, because it's about love. Oh, boy. Any of you out there watch golf? Oh, I really enjoyed Pebble Beach. Because I used to play there when I made money. I used to play there every year with a bunch of guys in the music business. Sherry, come over here. So Sherry, Sherry sings with Jeff. I'm going to play your song. So tell me something. What's it like having a Valentine? Come talk to me in the mic here. A Valentine who's a, who's a flying V shredding guitar player. <laughs> well, besides that, it's really nice to have the love of my life finally find me and so this is going to be the most exciting valentine's day ever in my life that's all i can say about that the other ones i don't really remember so it's going to be special and we're going to go we're going to go see we're going to go see the yeah i'm 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 like working up to something here i didn't tell you what a great interview she is see but plus we're going to go see the love show because jeff has never seen the love show and it is by far my favorite show here in vegas and uh, so I'm excited for that. And uh, that's going to be really special. So it won't be on Valentine's Day because I'm going to be singing on Valentine's Day. At Where my, you're singing at your gig. My gig. So what songs are you singing on Valentine's Day? I was you do told. some standards? Yeah, a lot of standards, a lot of mellow, a lot of sweet are love Are you going to do uh, My Funny Valentine? Mm, I should. I, I always do some Cole Porter? Some Diana Krall. Diana Krall. Laura Jones. Really? Uh, actually, I can sing Sarah Smile by Daryl Hall. Daryl, yeah. Hall yeah, and Oates, so, too. Yes, yeah, Blue-Eyed Philadelphia Soul. Uh-huh. So it's going to end. And the good thing is that my drummer sings and my guitar player sings, so it's not all me, because they know a lot of that good old stuff, too. What do you think it's like being Oates? What? <laughs> or being Oates? It's kind of like being Garfunkel, right? Oh, <laughs> There's that whole the scene song. if you've seen the movie This He's is the 40. better one. Or he Andrew or Andrew song. Ridgely. I don't know. It's over my head, babe. Maybe it's to the other guys head. that didn't get fame. <laughs> These are the guys in the duet. But they were important to the duet. Ah. It's a stupid question. I think I'm gonna be really famous from hey, you're Sherry from Sherry Klein, the Lawn Friend Show at Sherry's house, not from Jeff Young and Sherry, but from right. You're Sherry from I don't see I don't think this, I don't think your the sofa podcast is going to impact your career in any way. It better. Why do <laughs> yeah, I keep having better. Why, the heck, why the heck are we losing our time letting you come over here? You're right. You, <laughs> you don't, nobody does things just to do them anymore. In fact, we do. There has to be, there has to be an outcome friends. from the action. I want one person in this 
I'll give it like six months to come up to me and say, you're wait, wait. Sherry from Sherry's wait, wait. house. Wait, let's, let's hold on. I do want to ask you a couple of intelligent questions. All right. Because love is still fresh in my mind and the dance sequences are fresh in my mind, especially like the redhead who, the ballet who does while my guitar gently weaves oh, and she flies to the top of the ceiling and uh, comes down. Okay, so what, what was, what is the prime motivation to be a dancer? For me, it was natural. It was just in my heart. It was like I was just born with I mean, it, and I how, wanted to do it. It's how your body and your heart chose to express and, your love of music. Correct. Through dance. Correct. Okay. I loved them both so much, but I did choose the art of dance first, and that was like I had to get that out. I, I just had to learn and better myself, and the, the more you did it, the more joy it brought. And that was an escape goat for me with now, the music. When you were dancing in Las Vegas, you danced at a splash, mm -hmm. right? And it was a provocative dance routine you did? Some of them, some of them were really just hard, hardcore um, hip hop and street dancing. Because really? I learned from all the originals, the Rocksteady crew, break dancers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whacking, the whacking 70s. I learned from all these people that invented it. That was our cast. I was so lucky at such a young age to be introduced to these, oh my God, you know, the people that paved the way for everybody else's dancing. And of course, there's all the new crump and everything, but um, there was seductive. I was actually one of the lead dancers. I had to fight my way. Like, you had to work so hard. The minute you slacked, boom, you were Someone else out. took your place. And it really was like that. The next better thing. So I was the one, you know, kicking everybody out of their spots and got a lot of leads. Lead. I was one of the lead dancers, so yeah. So did you see the movie um, Black <laughs> Swan? Swan. Yeah, I did. Okay, that's a very disturbing film. And the, yeah. the director I'm a fan of, Aronofsky, mm -hmm. uh, he also made The Wrestler, which was a great film. Yeah. But uh, how much truth is there that it's so fierce, the competition in that world, it's almost bloody. It's very but true. But these are women. Women are supposed to be respectful of each other. And, and you know, it's the goddess, the, the, the community, the, the sisterhood. Where's the There's sisterhood? There's so much jealousy. There, it's such a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Success the comp drives the comp you? The competition. And then you just want to be that. The, <clears throat> I don't know. You know, I, I'm not like that. I can honestly no, say I that I wasn't that. I wasn't like that, but I the women because I was the young I was the baby of the show as a young cute one, they were like that towards me. So I had to really? build my thick skin real quick, and actually almost got in a fist fight with some six foot <laughs> girl on stage trying moment. to knock me Tell off me the stage. That. We're opening the show, uh, getting ready to open the show. We're going through lighting, lighting. It's it's you know it's grueling. It's like what hotel was this at? The Riviera Hotel. Okay. Yeah, and. Um, so I always kept my mouth shut and just did what I was told because I was a young one in the street. Now, first of all, there's ballet dancers, and they might be more respectful to your face and everything. But then I was in a company of street dancers. You know, they're like gypsy street dancers, like hardcore, uh -huh. you know, and I was in awe of all of them. So I just had much respect. So I was just quiet, and I could tell that there was energy towards me. So one of these dancers anyway, called so we're, you out? Well, 
I almost got ran off the stage. So we're doing solos. So there's three girls. It was a maniac number. The water drop came down on us. The Karen Denise rode the motorcycle out. And so we're going through the solos. So this big showgirl, Susan Hyatt, God bless you, love you now. She had a solo, then I was the second, and then No No Nanette, our line captain, was the third. So the first girl, the first solo, wasn't counting properly. She was taking too long, and I was just being nice and let her run into my part of my solo. So I'm doing my solo, and here's No No, this big, hardcore, God love her, but she ran my ass off that stage and told me, if you don't get the out of my way, I'm gonna run your ass off this stage, you better get off. So I had to tell Susan, the first girl, listen, you're going into my solo. You need to count and know your stuff, you know, beyond know your stuff, know when you're supposed to enter and count your sh shit out. So anyways, she did it again, so I ran her off. Oh, to, to okay. Cause I warned her, I was like, listen, I'm not gonna get ran over by our line captain cause sure. she didn't like me to begin with. So I ended up going out, not basically running her over, but running onto this for my time, for my slot, and it ran into her solo, and she turned around and was catty to me, so that was the cat fight. She's six foot, I'm five four. She was pointing her finger in my face, and I warned her to get her finger on my face. She was clearly wrong, and she wouldn't. She kept, you know, berating me and putting her finger in my face, so I, I warned her, and I smacked her hand out of my face, and nobody could believe that little sweet Sherry did that, and my producer, Jeff Kutash, was like, kick her in the balls. <laughs> he was totally egging it on. He loves that, you know, girl fight. So anyways, we worked it out, and... Cat fight! Nobody messed, you know, everybody yeah, just kind of yeah. thought, wow, there's more to Sherry than just a sweet little thing, but and, and, it's... And you look back God. now, and you see, oh, my character grew from those experiences. <laughs> I, I, oh, my God. I got some chops. I did. You had to, or else you'd have... I would have been eaten alive. Eaten alive. Eaten alive by them women, but eaten I didn't alive. let them. I conquered and I prevailed. And then I ran my own shows, you know, around town. And I had a cast and I had many employees under me. And I would never let it be like that. It was all love wow. and respect. That's right. And it was you're great. you're a love child. And yeah. you treat people differently. All right. So we're going to play your song because it's, uh, cool. it's Valentine's Day almost. So, why don't you give us the backstory on this? I think we played it once, but since it's Valentine's Day, it gets a different setup. Okay. That's yeah, let tell let uh, let her tell the yeah, story. Yeah, go ahead. Tell you know. Let me. Oh well, this has come closer. It's a uh, Jeff Young and mine's uh, our first original together, and I'm very proud of it. And uh, you can buy it now on iTunes. And it finally Amazon. Amazon. You can stream it on Spotify. Yeah. Okay. It, it's everywhere. All right. Well, you're going to hear it right now on Energize the Lawn Friend podcast. Says it's valid.
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. That was, uh, here's this is weird. So sometimes songs come on my iTunes and I don't know where they come from. I think sometimes they're just there and they come out of the ether. That's an MGMT song. I know the song, but that's, that's not MGMT. So M- Mike back in, in uh, San Pedro shazammed it and it didn't work. And Jeff tried shazamming it and it didn't work. But Mike thinks it's by Young at Heart, Wild at Heart, Wild at Heart. It's it's a very seductive hypnotic uh, cover of of a, of a cool MGMT song. You know, I saw MGMT at uh, at the uh, the Music Box in Hollywood when their first record blew up, and they were so prog in concert. They were way more prog than the record. Then their second record just kind of like was so experimental that. I don't know. Hey, you're a young artist. You're trying to be, you know, compete with the 50,000 other acts out there. It's not like it was in the 60s. And the Beatles, you had the Beatles and the Kinks and Stones and Pink Floyd and Jerry and the Pacemakers and Moody Blues and British Invasion. And then you had all the American stuff. But you didn't have the internet and you didn't have youtube and myspace and i mean there's just so much i have to sneeze bless you now i will tell mike stark this um we have never edited anything out of this uh podcast this we're in our 45th week we're seven weeks from a year we have to do something special for our year anniversary uh Probably be our last show. <laughs> oh wow, you made it a year. Goodbye. No, I think we'll be on for you know a couple more months. It's not like there's this huge wave. There's 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 no grassroots swell. I'm not going viral, like the like the video of the giraffe being dismantled and fed to the lions in uh, in uh, wherever the hell that was. It's amazing what people the viral thing. Well, you know, it went viral. The story about the gay football player went viral. You know, you know, you know the 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 kids picking on the woman on the bus. Oh, that went viral. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The cover of the of the Dave Clark Five song by the nine year old midget from Miami. You know, that went viral. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The 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 uh, the crippled mongoloid from Outer Mongolia. Who plays "Supper's Ready" on the flute? Oh, that went viral. Did you hear? You know that went. Oh, oh yeah. And 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 Bill O'Reilly picking his nose and eating his booger off 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 screen. Oh yeah, that went viral. And those that shit that Jeff Young said about Dave Mustaine that went viral. <laughs> <laughs> what a silly fucking place we live in now in 2014 politicians are tweeting their policies so the the uh the governor of tennessee tweeted today what what there's nine-year-olds tweeting that they just saw uh saving mr banks and the politicians are tweeting their policy 
the president tweeted, what? What? Oh, where are we? We're like, we're, we're like that magazine on the stands with all those co cover lines. Where's, where is some fucking substance? Where are we going? God, have a point. Have a point. Do, do, did you ever, I don't, still don't get Twitter. I, I tweet once a day. I put the link up to the show. I'll, if I think of something profound in 140 characters, but I don't, I still don't know what a fucking hashtag is. I don't know where you find them or where they go or why some people have to put 75 phrases after a comment. Pound bunghole cherries rock. Pound coconut water sucks. Pound I have a I have a sore on my nut. Pound Seahawks Nation. Pound hash <coughs> hashtags hash marks hash browns. Light up a bowl of hash, Jeff. We're fucking out of here. Okay, anyway, I'm done. Next week, Jim Martin from Faith No More makes good on his promise. He will be my guest. He will be calling in from his Bay Area home. And we're going to have a great rap because I love that guy. He is uh, long-winded and sharp as a razor bait. He is sharp as a, as a, as a San Jose shark skate. And I'm gonna be uh I'm gonna be with my friend Jay Vinitsky from Chicago in uh somewhere in Los Angeles next weekend seeing two musical box shows. Now if you don't know who musical box is, well you're not a prog geek. So find musical box. They're the Genesis Gabriel Era tribute band. They play in front of thousands of people in Europe and hundreds of people in the United States. But they're doing they're doing two shows, and I'm going to be there with Jay. And, and I'll be back in the San Pedro studio next week. And, uh, John, it's just... And, I'm, you know, Jeff, I'm really contemplating going on the Yes, Steve Hackett, uh, Tony, Tony Levin, Prague Cruise. I saw the Prague Cruise. in April. Cruise. What will I've they been think invited. I've been invited. I know the guy who runs the cruise. So I'm thinking about it. I have to get my I haven't had my passport renewed in 10, 10 years. I've been anywhere outside the US in over a decade. Well, if you're going to take a cruise, that seems the one oh, you to kidding? take. Um, it caught my eye. I'll be close to the edge, dude. And when I get to the edge, just give me a life preserver because I'm going over. In that vein, for you, you're going who for the one, right? I'm going, going for the one. For those of you who understand... And while you're on the cruise, you could save the whale. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. Um, we'll go out with some Peter Gabriel tonight. Lay your hands on me. The great Tony Levin, the stick on bass. I saw this performed. Oh, man. 1986, December, L.A. Forum, when the, when the song broke into its long, 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 long bridge. Uh... Peter laid down in the first row and they carried him 75 rows back and 75 rows forward. And 
it was one of the most elevating, transcendent moments in my long, long rock concert journey. So that's it. I'm done. Thanks, Jeff Young. Thanks, Sherry. This is Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast. Lay your hands on me, people. Sound.